0: Welcome to a new episode of good morning camera and this one i'll be honest not a lot of concrete stuff to talk about it's mostly rumors there's no concrete there's no cement it's just well not just rumors it's mostly rumors but some exciting stuff anthony how excited are you on a level of one to ten for this episode <laughs> uh
1: this canon rumor is actually kind of crazy if this if this comes true and some of these rumor sites are pretty top-notch. I'm not going to lie. If this comes true, I think Canon could actually clean house with this. I don't want to spill anything before we get started here, Gadget, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to give it a solid 9.5
0: for this Canon rumor, which is Yikes. Which is Yikes. Wild. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's start yeah. with that. So tell us, what is so, this Canon rumor that has you excited?
1: Canon is, it is rumored that Canon might be working on a box style camera. And I don't know how confident I am about this particular release, but you sent me the article and I was like, man, this is so hype. And I was like, super excited to get your take on it. Do you think that this is actually going to come to fruition?
0: I'm not 100% sold. Are you? Well, before I answer that, I think it's easier to answer that question. Once we kind of look at what's, rumored to be included here. So you look at this this sort of like patent filing design mm-hmm. here, and it's a box-style camera that looks like a red Komodo. There's two battery slots on the back that go horizontal, right? Mm-hmm. There's ventilation on the side. There's an LCD on the top. It pretty much looks like a red Komodo, and it looks like there's SDI connections and some other uh, like time code and gen lock on the back of it next to the battery. I don't see HDMI here, right? Mm -hmm. It's rumored to be a cinema product, but an affordable box-style camera, affordable being relative, and rumored to be called the C50, right? So if I'm seeing C50, and you are familiar with Canon naming, you know, they they go uh, lower in number as they become more premium. So R6, R5, R3, and the rumored R1, right? Mm -hmm. So you have a C70, And so this is going to be probably more professional than a C70, but smaller and focusing on that filmmaker that's going to rig it out. So if I'm looking at everything on the table, I feel like this is a product that Canon would create, that they would invest in. That also, you know, they have a pretty close relationship with RED and their products, them be using RF mount for their Raptor and for their Komodo. This is something that I feel like would be a move in the right direction. What about you?
1: Really? Okay. I was not expecting you to think that this is actually going to come true. I don't think it actually will. I don't think that this is going to become an actual product. (laughs) So box style cameras, they're they're really great for like movie sets, live streaming, or like in studio. If you're just going to leave the camera on a tripod, that's where this box style camera kind of really fits into this area of filmmaking. Uh, I personally love Mm the BS1H. Uh, When that came out, I tried it, got it from Panasonic it was absolutely fantastic i loved the format but i was thinking about like what's the competition in this box style arena you mentioned the red komodo they kind of already have competition with the that camera with it being like the c70 And then they have like Alexa minis, which are like a completely different price bracket, right? That's that box style camera in 1913. That movie was shot with the Alexa minis. Uh, It was so cool because it was such a compact camera, but obviously in the super high end. So next other box style camera, I mentioned the BS1H. I don't know. They're not really going to play in that. I don't think they're going to play in that field because they have so many other mirrorless cameras that can do that. So for that reason... Just based off the competition, they already have something that competes with the red Komodo, that that being the C70, and that camera was fantastic. I just don't see this happening, but that being said, Gadjin, this would be so sick if this actually came true, and I think it would be a good opportunity to give us some really phenomenal image quality, but I also didn't think about the fact that, like what you said, the higher the number, the better the quality camera, the the better the quality tends to be. So maybe they are kind of thinking one-upping the red Komodo, one-upping the C70 and bringing something out. So this is a a good point. But talk to me about specs. Like what would this camera actually need to be better
0: than red Komodo and such? I will say, I will say these are rumors, right? But essentially this would have the same sensor as a C70 or C300 Mark III RF mount 4K up to 120, cinema raw light uh, capabilities within this camera, uh, uhs two SD card slots, two of them, right? It would also yeah. have HDMI, according to these rumors, HDMI as well as 12G SDI output, and a multifunction hot shoe for ex- external XLR and you know more audio options there. So essentially what you have here is a, S- a C70 in a box style doesn't say mm-hmm. anything about internal NDs whether that's going to be included or not. So I, I I'm surprised. I really thought that you would be more uh, more committed to this thing. <laughs> that, that this might be a camera that they make. I really feel like this is something that Canon is exploring and they see the potential for and it you know, Canon does they they have this track record of making some quirky products. This box style, it's not that quirky because a few companies have already done it already, but it really is in line with Canon sort of like more experimental design of making these offshoot cameras that do very specific things.
1: I did not, I did not get that impression at all. I was like, man, I just don't see why they would compete in this kind of area. There's a lot, there's, a couple good cameras that are already out that are in this box style format and Canon kind of is just doing their own thing. Like the red Komodo came out and the C70 came out and those cameras were highly compared and people were going like head to head C70 versus red Komodo all the time. For me, uh, I think the one, the biggest thing that would just absolutely clean house for the box style shooters is, the definitely the built-in nds and we saw on the drawings in this article that we were looking at that it did have the little spot for like the two buttons and and it actually said built-in and uh, nds up and plus and minus kind of thing so if they included that gadget this camera would absolutely destroy just about anything that is on the market right now uh, in the box style format and i'm thinking that Panasonic is probably going to make a BS1H Mark II. That's going to give us this new face detection autofocus. And I would probably argue that the Panasonic cameras are... Their autofocusing system now is better than what they got in the Canon C70. So if they could up the autofocus and do built-in NDs, it would be game over. Do you,
0: do you agree? Yeah, yeah. It's exciting stuff, man. It's exciting stuff. I well, I just... You know what? Again, when we have these rumor episodes, we got to be careful because you never know. But I really believe there's a market for this kind of product where whether it's the up-and-coming filmmaker or content creator can take a product like this and have this camera that's five, six years, can put a ton of reps on it and just produce quality footage. And I've been using the C70 uh, for well over a year now, and it's just something that continues to impress me with what that sensor can do. Having that in a box style where you can just have something even more modular, and really strip it down to something even more portable. I think that's really exciting. But enough about Canon, enough about them and their rumors. Let's talk about something that actually released. It's the brand new Sony (laughs) 50mm f1.4G lens, another Sony lens. Tell us about this lens, Anthony. What, What can it do?
1: Yeah, so this is geared to be like a less expensive, lighter weight alternative to the fifty mil one point two GM lens, right? Can't, uh, Sony is saying that uh, this is like thirty three percent lighter, and there's like fifteen percent less volume when compared to other models that have like the same specs. They're also claiming that this lens can autofocus up to one point nine times faster than the original Sony's ice lens, whatever that means. Uh, but that lens was released back in 2016 so we definitely needed uh some sort of update to the 50 millimeter kind of line for sony e-mount that lens that sony zeiss lens wasn't that sharp and it wasn't that fast to focus so uh, it kind of felt like putting like stock Hyundai tires on like a Ferrari and now we have so many like (laughs) we have so many fast camera bodies we needed these new faster lenses and the G line definitely provides that but let's get specific in terms of what is actually on the inside we have an 11 blade circular aperture and this is going to make those bokeh balls nice and 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 like nice and round so everybody's going to be super happy about that they also put a bunch of like scientific lingo in this article that essentially means that this lens should give you better proportions on say like human subjects or like maybe buildings or something like that uh, because they've inserted like certain elements that reduce barrel distortion and chromatic aberration uh, and then lastly is the XD linear motors which is a big thing because Sony is focusing so much on video and this uh, these XD linear linear motors will reduce like the jumpiness of the autofocus when you're autofocusing in video so So I think this is actually a worthy lens to consider if you're looking for a good alternative to some of the more expensive lenses. What do you think?
0: It's an interesting lens. It's just Sony committing to their lineup and continuing to refresh specific SKUs to make them competitive, uh, both in terms of what they can do and also in terms of price. Like, again, you're looking at something that's a little over $1,500, right, that you're spending and investing in but it's a lens that's going to produce phenomenal results, both for photo and for video. And when you get it, you're kind of going to have it for life, right? Like it, it, it's something that you're yeah. just going to use and put a ton of reps on. So, you know, I, I commend them for creating this. And again, a little over 500 grams, like it's also just like not a heavy lens, but giving you these beautiful results. A lot of these sample image that they're sharing and what creators have been showing in their early previews is just really impressive stuff. But I got to ask you, what would you want to see next from Sony? You know, they're, they're doing this every year where they're refreshing or introducing a couple of new lenses. What would you like to see from them next in their lineup?
1: Um, I I think we've had this kind of conversation before. Like, my preferred we lenses... We absolutely did. We, we absolutely <laughs> did. And I'm bringing it up again. We My preferred lenses, I need a 24 and I need a 35 for photography, uh, and I prefer an 85 for video um, for like the close up shots and stuff like that. I actually don't really like the 50 millimeter focal length, but this little new upgrade where they're like inserting certain elements that are going to reduce barrel distortion and hopefully give you better proportions on just everything, I would actually be interested in trying this new version out. So I don't know what I would want to see next because I'm pretty satisfied, but I'll tell you one. Other quick little spec that I think that is really interesting that they're actually implementing, and I just would like to see them implement these le- this uh, feature across all of the all of the lenses that they come out with, and that is they're just shortening the minimum focus distance on a lot of their lenses, which I really like because it just allows you to. Use the, a lens for multiple different purposes. Like for example, if I could maybe use this 50 millimeter lens paired with like a 45 megapixel sensor for say like close up macro photography or just like product photography or things like that, right? So that's a feature I know a lot of other brands are also working on. Like for example, Fujifilm, they're doing this with all of their lenses, and it's getting quite small. So that's a feature that I would kind of like to see. But I and I'm really I'm I'm satisfied. I I got the 24. I got the 85. It's it's good enough for me, man.
0: I envy you Anthony because me, I'm never satisfied. <laughs> I'm perpetually unsatisfied. Yeah. Give me more. He's and in this guess. case, I would love to I would love <laughs> to see Sony try and do something unconventional. Just break away from the mold a little bit. Be a little bit (laughs) daring and make something spicy. You know what I I would like to see for You know what I'd like to see for them? Make Hmm. a vintage line. Give me some lenses with no spherical elements. None of this extra low dispersion stuff. Just give me the best glass, your standard glass, where it's sharp in the middle and it just gets wild when you're out of focus. You know what I mean? And when you point it at light, you just have light bouncing around and rings and halation and just diffusion everywhere. Give me something wild, Sony. Give me something wild. That's, that's what I would like to see.
1: Well, you're mentioning like the vintage kind of realm. And I was also looking at another Sony rumor that kind of looks a little bit more futuristic, So I was looking at this new, I thought it was a point and shoot camera when I first saw these rumors on the Sony website. And it's this new Sony ZV rumor that is floating about and it looks kind of futuristic. Like I said, I thought it was a fixed lens model, but it actually is like trusted sources are now confirming this is actually like an E-mount camera. So you're going to be able to uh, kind of Uh, switch the lens on this this camera but it looks very boxy and then we're seeing rumors that it's supposed to be like a smaller version of an a7s3 uh and i don't i don't know what's what's the what's real what to believe but Gadget, looking at this rumor here like what do you think is going to happen here in terms of like where this camera is going to be placed in their lineup and you saw this it looks pretty cool don't you agree
0: I don't think it looks pretty cool. I <laughs> What? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I mean, look, look, look at the end of the day. Uh, okay, I should say this. Yeah, sure, it looks kind of cool, but this is a rendering. It's probably not going to look like this. But at the same time, camera has to feel good. If a camera doesn't feel good, you're not going to enjoy using it. Most of the Sony full-frame series of cameras, they're not comfortable cameras. They be, They've become more comfortable than what they were before, but when you compare them to a Nikon, a Leica, a Canon, they're not inherently a comfortable camera to use. So, I hope that this is a comfortable camera. I'm not particularly a fan of this rendered design, but that's not even the most important thing. I think here the specs are really fascinating because it's supposed to be this vlogger focused, creator-centric camera with a full frame mount, a full frame sensor from the Sony A7S3, right? Mm. 4K60 recording or 4K120 in the high-speed mode. No EVF, so it's just a back LCD. And it's supposed to be considerably cheaper than the Sony a7S III. That intrigues me a lot. Is it a camera that I would particularly invest in? No. No. But I do see a lot of people having this interest for something that you can use it as a webcam, as well as a travel camera, as well as a vlogging tool, as was well as well as a, a, a filmmaking, you know, B or C camera. It's just, you know, you're taking the power of that a7S III and putting it into something much smaller, much more compact that you can take with you anywhere you go. I I'm a fan of this. I'm a fan of what Sony's doing here, where they're, cha- they're taking all their innovations from previous lineups and just making them more and more accessible in different kinds of shapes and sizes and that kind of thing. So if this is indeed a product that they're going to release, I think it's going to be great for the market. I think people should be excited about something like this.
1: Yeah, uh, I I think I I agree. It's going to be an interesting drop if this comes to fruition here because we're talking 4K60, 4K120, no crop, uh, and... I think what we can agree on is the cameras the camera market is gonna flip out if this camera has a flip up screen opposed to the flip-out screen. The, everybody gets so like rattled about this. Uh, if the camera, if the screen flips up, it's like, oh my gosh, it's it's like game over. Even though it kind of seems like the target market for this camera might be that entry-level, maybe mid-tier vlogger, probably second camera type of type of deal they're looking to call this maybe something like a zv 100 or something like that right so it's in that kind of ZV realm but it's so funny to watch these camera gets releases released and uh, you see the, like the flip up feature on this and then everybody goes nuts so it's going to be interesting we'll see what happens who knows this could be all just fluff and that rendering could be completely different to what actually gets released
0: it's all rumors yeah you know you know so hey that's the, the that's the the theme of this episode largely rumors right so <laughs> if you look at this camera and you're looking at the rumored specs who do you think is the ideal customer for a product like this
1: yeah i i, I think i said like it's probably one of like a, those cameras that you get to be like the second camera like maybe like a if you're going to say like a show and you don't want to bring like your a7s3 that's like freaking four thousand dollars or something like that right uh so like this should be a lower price option that could be like a second camera to your larger camera and it's probably going to be focused around the vlogger you know what i i did really like that built-in microphone that was on the zv e10 uh, and i thought the microphone actually sounded quite good uh, so this should be something where you could just kind of grab and go probably stuff in a pocket and uh, if you pair it with something small like in terms of the lens then you should be able to to get pretty compact and if you're a travel vlogger uh, you know everyday kind of carry street photographer then maybe you could look at this camera uh, but I guarantee that you know we're, we're talking like uh, we're talking some low light capabilities in this small little camera because on the on the unverified rumors uh, they're saying like this might be like a 12 megapixel sensor completely fine for social media stuff that's why I was kind of saying maybe a street photographer entry level kind of that kind of realm but yeah we should get some pretty phenomenal low light capabilities for the price out of this camera so probably that vlogger kind of realm
0: yeah yeah i really think that it's it it can be a wide gamut you know whether it's Mm -hmm. a vlogger whether it's a youtuber whether it's you know someone just creating vertical content uh someone that wants to use this for uh a I I would say even some kinds of photography, right? When you have that kind of low light capabilities, you know, a street photography camera that just gives you really small files and works great in all kinds of lighting conditions is great to have. You know, someone that might be using this in a Sony ecosystem and having this as a C or, you know, even D cam, right? Just to get some coverage shots or pickup shots would be remarkable for that. So I'm excited for this. I don't want to get too excited. I would like to see what it actually looks like when it comes out. If it does come out at all, but I think they're on the right track to do something like this. But Anthony, enough of all this stuff. It's time for our favorite part of the show, and that is creator draft picks. I have uh, what is becoming uh, known, you know, for people that listen to the show, these exorbitantly expensive draft picks. I've been trying to alternate, you know, every other episode, but here I am standing before you, sitting before you. Through a Zoom meeting uh, <laughs> with another exorbitantly expensive pick. And it is the Leica SL2S. Yeah. Okay. Oh you know, my uh, goodness. <laughs> I, look, I didn't want to talk about this. I didn't want to. But this thing has impressed the heck out of me. Okay. I have my cinema cameras that I use for my productions. But I want I want to have a camera that can do studio photography as well as great video. And kind of just use it in between and just have it as this camera that I can take with me as a second camera for street photography with a small lens and then grab some pickup shots if I need to. Or take it with me as like a C camera when I'm working on production for the same kind of uh, work. Just pickup shots and detail shots and that kind of thing. And it's just a little bit easier and I don't have to rig it out. The video quality and the codec from this camera have blown me away. I had to work on some specific workflows to get the best color out of this thing, but it has impressed me in a way where I'm not even looking at my Fuji cameras right now. I hate to say it. I hate to say it, but I'm not even looking at them right now. (laughs) The photo quality and the high noise. Like, I Anthony, I can shoot at ISO 25,000 and not bat an eye and not even have any concerns, you know? And what really takes it even further are the SL lenses. The SL lenses were, you know, they're engineering these to be the best that they can produce and the most exquisite rendering when it comes to something that's in focus and moving out of focus. I don't want to talk at length about it. You know what? I feel guilty (laughs) even bringing it up. But I wouldn't mention it if I genuinely didn't believe in the product. And I've been using it for a couple of months now. I'm writing a bit of an in-depth review on this thing. And it really is this impressive, creative tool. So that's my pick. And I promise you, next episode, I'm going to come in with something far more affordable, if not free. Okay, (laughs) mark my words. What about you, Anthony? What do you have for us? Well, did you
1: see Gadget? He he like led in and kind of teased that, you know, he was going to come in with something like just for the everyday Joe and then like road runnered into the other direction. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to bring us yeah, back down. I, <laughs> I'm going to bring us back down to earth because I'm on, I'm on a spending freeze. Right. So I'm looking at, You know, the free kind of realm. And this week, uh, for Henry's, I've been putting together a history of our core brands kind of video. And they're turning into small little documentaries about all of our little camera or all of our core brands that we actually carry in store. This week, uh, I've finished up the history of Canon. Uh, video that I've been kind of talking about and doing research on. So I was on Canon Cameras website. If you go on global.canon that is the website and then go to the about Canon page there is a free Canon camera museum that you could actually go in and browse and all of our core brands actually have uh, (laughs) these like free little museum kind of spaces on their website. Nikon's was really interesting. So you can go visit them as well. But I'm specifically going to call out the Canon Camera Museum, because it was super interesting. Canon's history is actually really, really cool. Um, They had some really interesting stuff. Their first camera actually changed the game for war photographers and really put them on the map because Leica essentially owned the market at that time and every great photographer that you and I look back on they're probably shooting Leica but when it came to the Vietnam war officers actually preferred Canon cameras first because they looked exactly like a Leica rangefinder but the camera that Canon released was this Canon S two and the big thing that separated this camera from the leica was the build quality was just as good and it was actually easier to load film into but then officers were able to Quickly use this little switch on the side of the camera to switch the viewfinder from 50 millimeters to 100 mil- millimeters, and that actually changed the game for war photographers. So interesting history facts like that. This all of this stuff can be found on the, the the Canon Camera Museum, and I thought that was so cool. Something that you would definitely be interested in, Gadget. All that history, and they compared Leica so many times because like they own the market. So
0: Anthony, 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 why why gotta wait till? a recording for you to for you to tell me about these great things are you just holding it (laughs) for a surprise for me to be surprised here send me this stuff in advance man oh you just Uh, hold it out on me nowadays
1: it was a lot of fun going through like all of the history is just absolutely crazy. Nikon, like they were really close in the race to like going to the moon, uh, bringing a camera into the moon. But, uh, Minolta built, uh, built the camera that the first astronaut brought to the moon, all this history, all this stuff is so interesting. And, uh, yeah, it was
0: really cool to kind of dive through. Fantastic stuff. A great pick. You got something free. You got something that is, uh, let's just say not free and <laughs> what a wonderful way to wrap up our episode so anthony thank you for your time thank you all for listening as always subscribe to the show recommend it to your friends and we'll see you again in two weeks with another episode and hopefully less rum- rumors and, and more products let's see let's see what happens my name's gadget his name's anthony we'll see you again next time